G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live brought to you by Crowcast. Of course, we're still basking in the glory of our famous victory on the weekend, but it's time to move on and we've got another big match coming up against the Bombers. So without any further ado, let's get straight into it, shall we? Good evening, good evening, good evening. I don't know why Macca's Roundup's little slicer just <laughs> turned up there, but Macca's not on tonight, of course, being a Tuesday night. But the person who is on tonight, uh, after a little week off, uh, Pete, how are you going, mate? I'm very, very well, mate. I'm feeling a bit um, under pressure to follow uh, the great donkey uh, from last week. He um, he certainly uh, came in with a bang, didn't he? He didn't let the opportunity pass him by. It really does. <laughs> no, it was very good to have Donkey on for a bit of a cameo, and uh, it's good that uh, we could have an old podcast favourite. I reckon it's been about two years since Donkey's been on the podcast, but uh, back to the normal crew, and if people don't like it, uh, they can get stuffed, basically. <laughs> um, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since the weekend. Uh, you didn't go to the game, which is probably why we won. Um, what do you think of it, mate? It just always happens that you know the the amount of times I've missed you know the really really great games, but um, you know I had guests from interstate unfortunately, and so my tickets yep. went elsewhere, and so I, I saw it on TV. But um, no, it was, I mean, what more could you say? It was a it was a terrific effort, and um, you just had to love the way that we sort of continued to crack in and and some really really good performances from um, you know from the, particularly the key forwards um, were, were, were terrific. I thought. That, that was the uh, big question mark I had uh, after selection. Um, and they stuck with Himmelberg and brought Murphy in, and I just wondered where we were going to get the, the goals from. Um, but the forward line really uh, stood up by and large. Um, probably ask your opinion in a moment about Darcy, uh, but by and large they stood up. Um, the midfield held on, and I thought, I, I really thought that um, um, the defence was our was our main uh, mainstay uh, during the night, kept us in it long enough for us to be able to regroup and, and mount a, a counter in the last quarter. I'm going to give you two names, and I'm really interested because we all know the players that played well. I, I'm interested in your thoughts on two players. I'm interested in... I'm, I'm, I'm interested in your yeah. thoughts on those two. Uh, who was the other one? Sorry, just dropped out there, just quick. Billy, Billy Frampton. Billy Frampton, okay. Uh, I think you and I differ on Lockie. I thought Lockie was integral, actually. Um, And the reason I say that is because he seemed to play the role that suited him, whether by design or just how the the game went. But I felt his presence around the stoppage um, in in and up around half-forward wing um, and... Uh, his physicality and also the speed um, that he was able to extract the ball at times was pivotal. 
Um, and what I did like is that we weren't using him as a marking target. And some of that, I guess, is because Elliot was presenting. Um, but uh, I just, I, fe- I felt like Lockie played the role that he needed, that we need him to play when he's in. Billy Frampton was an interesting one because obviously he had five kicked on him uh, by Marshall, although you would, when you actually look at the game, you realise that <clears throat> at least three of those goals really weren't Billy's fault. Um, you know, I'm a little bit biased because I'm a Nick Murray fan, um, but Frampton certainly is more composed with ball in hand, I feel. Um, I feel like overall... Murray probably is a little bit more aggressive aerially, whereas Billy offers us more composure um, on the deck. I don't think we lost anything by having Billy in the team, put it that way. What do you think? No, I'm actually um, perfectly aligned with you on Lockie. I, I thought he was excellent, and um, I thought it was one of the better games he'd actually played for us. And yeah, I agree. It was... Um, you know, he only had 13 touches, but to, he did a lot with them. And there was, like, you know, he statistically had a really effective game. Mm. And um, I thought his five clearances, a number of those in the last quarter, was really important. Yeah. As you say, and I, I think the reason why I sort of raised that is I just wonder is, you know, um, he just looked to me, and, and you make the excellent point, how good was it just to not see him having the ball bombed on his head? Yeah. You know, in the yeah. forward line. And, you know, like he's a midfielder. And that's what he grew up playing. And I just wonder whether there's some a role to be had there, given the, given the problems with our midfield, whether he can really push into there a little bit more. Well, someone raised a good point, and I can't remember who it was. Um, but having Murphy in the team as, you know, playing that small but high forward probably gives us a little bit of licence to give Josh Rochelle a bit of a taste in the midfield at times. Um, yep. I think there's probably only room for one of Murphy or Ned McHenry. Um, And I felt like Ned, um, for all his intensity, didn't get a lot of value for possessions or, or, you know, his his time spent near the contest this week. Um, So for me, it's Murphy and McHenry for one of those, for that that spot. And certainly on, on... on face value after the weekend, it's Murphy's for now. I think I reckon Ned McHenry would benefit from a couple of weeks in the twos playing midfield and getting his hands on the agate, to be honest, and using it. Yeah. Yep. Using it, I think, is the key for, for Ned, just using it better. And I I think with Billy, um, again, I think you're, you're, you're on the mark. What, I, what impressed me with Billy was how composed he was with ball in hand that he... Hit his targets pretty well. There was only that, you know, in that in that frantic last ten seconds, he missed hinge. But I, I really do think that the the fact that he was so clean with his take at two hundred centimeters, when you know, under that kind of pressure, I think that that was a really really good effort from him. And I know and that's hard for you to say, Pete, because, because traditionally you're not a Billy Frampton fan. <laughs> Absolutely not, but I was. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really. I know this is going to sound really strange, but I'm happy to set aside those five goals from Marshall because I don't think Marshall earned a number no. of those goals. No, and I think that Billy was let down a little bit by a little bit, little bit of you know unfortunate ill discipline and um, yeah, 
and poor defence ahead of him. I think a couple of times. So I don't think that he was is his fault. I, I was, you know, I was I was pretty impressed. I thought he was pretty clean, and I thought he did some really had some quite good moments. And I and I thought that you know the spotlight could not have been on him any more than in that last ten seconds. And I just thought that yeah, he just did what he needed to do. He was clean. He got the he made the right decision. He got it to hinge. It wasn't you know it ended up being on the half volley. That's okay. Hinge was clean as well, and uh, you know got the result. I just, I just thought he had some good moments, and I, I just think that it's you know it's funny, isn't it? Because you know defender can have five kicked on him, but you know he yeah. can still be okay. Yeah, well, particularly in this day and age with team defence and all the rest of it, uh, there's two points about that last kick, Pete, that I think a lot of people uh, overlook. The first one is that if Brody Smith or Luke Brown or someone of that Ilk had got the ball, I reckon it would have gone a long bomb into the forward line. Yep. I think it showed incredible incredible presence of mind to hit hinge up. And the other thing about that kick is, yes, it dropped short, but if you have a look at that, if if he overshot the mark with hinge, it was gone. It was over. Port had three players behind hinge. He, I, and I reckon Billy's looked up and knew that he had to put it in. He could not afford to kick it over Hinge's head. And so by dropping it short, it, 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 it like whether, you know, obviously erring on the side of caution, he, Hinge yep. was able to, to run onto it rather than have to stop or prop or, you know, the ball go over his head. It was put in the perfect position, it was put to advantage. And Hinge, thankfully, took the ball cleanly and, and darted it into the forward line for one last uh, effort. So, yep. you know, miss kick or not, it was in. It would. It went to the right spot. And I think a lot of other players in our side at the moment would have not panic kicked, but would have gone. I've got to kick it long. Um, and they the Port had players back, and it would have just bounced straight back out, and that would have been the end of it. One hundred and ten percent. Could not agree with you more, and I, I just um, and I think that was the reason that I highlighted um, those two players because you know those two players were both integral to that last goal. You know, yep. Lockie's attack on the ball, um, putting himself. You know, I mean, you know, it was a it was a poor effort from Mays, but you know Murphy was there and he was running under the ball, so he, he makes the play yep. in the play. So yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of heroes, and but I just think that they're two probably, you know, unsung guys in our team, and I just think that they deserve a bit of credit for their games, uh, which they may not ordinarily have got. Most definitely. Um, of course, we were all a little bit sad to see Luke Peddler drop out after only one crack at it. Medi Sarban didn't get a run. Um, Laird obviously came in for Sloan. Uh, we um, persisted with Harry, uh, who had, I think, the second most CBAs for the match, which was good to see. Um, and Crouch had about 16 out of a possible 29, I think, or 31 or something CBA, so only half. And Crouch only spent about 70%, just under 70% time on ground. Um, I didn't mind the setup and the way we used players. Um, I'm of the opinion, as I've said since Crouch came back in, that as a cold place player here at coalface player he has a, a role to play and I feel like he's yep. probably a fortnight away from really getting the pace of the game again um, I felt like Harry worked his way back into some form I thought Led was really good 
Um, and Ben Keyes also was very, very good. So all I'd like to see, I, I guess, we ran Josh Rochelle in for a couple. Um, I think Geordie might have hit a couple. I guess what I'd like to see is that Nirvana situation where we have seven or eight blokes rotating through there from various positions. Um, yeah. I'm kind of, kind of hopeful that Luke can be one of those because he does need, even though he's underdone at the moment, I think he needs to get a feel for a couple of CBAs a game at least. Yeah. No, it's absolutely um, fair enough. And look, you know, Port Adelaide are a good team. And and if you're going to, I mean, even if we hadn't pinched it at the end, I thought that we'd done pretty well to stay close and not go away all night. And so, you know, there some some good performances from the midfield. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, we'd be remiss in not commenting on uh, the state that it leaves Port Adelaide in. (laughs) Yeah. 0-3 and isn't it funny how the protagonists in the media um, uh, such as Kane Corns are all of a sudden uh, playing down the 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 spectre of Kenny getting the the sack well they're in a world of pain at the moment and the big I mean the big problem for them of course is the injury to Aaliyah you know, you, I mean, he was just an incredibly effective player last year, and they got a full season yeah. out of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a massive loss for them, and Robbie Gray's obviously a big loss as well. But the problem that yeah. they've got is that these guys are getting older, and it seems to have escaped everybody that, that you know, Port's fortunes still very much rise and fall with that, with that core. Yes, they do. Group experienced players. Yeah, they do. It's um, quite noticeable. You know, you've still got Bokert, you know, 45 years of age, running around, picking up 30 touches. And I thought Ollie Wines was ineffective for them um, Yep. on Friday night. I didn't think he gave them anything at all. Um, I thought uh, there was a couple of their outside players gave more. Um, they're struggling to find avenues to go. Uh they struggle under pressure. I mean, let's face it, they had, what, six or seven more scoring shots than we did for the night, had opportunities to put us away in the middle part of the game and didn't do it. And obviously Trav uh, missing that goal at the end. That he Look, he really just should have kicked it. It wasn't a difficult kick at all. 40 metres, slight angle. It should be bread and butter for a professional AFL player um, to put the game beyond reach. So they're playing without confidence, in my view. Uh, they're very short on talent at the moment with blokes out, as you mentioned. Connor Rosie's another one who's really just faded after his debut season. Um, I don't think well, they know that where gonna... to play. I don't know. I don't think they know where to play him, um, Pete. Fine. He was going to. He was the one player that I was. A, I was really <clears throat> going to mention and put the burners on because he's nowhere. And he, you know, he's a player that they would have expected by now would have been anchoring the midfield. Yes. And I feel, uh, this is my observation of him, I feel like he's still playing his season like he's a first-year rising star. That's he's a still just a little, And he, I, I don't feel that he's developed and I don't feel that he looks like a seasoned, you know, I mean, when did he start? 2019. And he's, they've, you know, he's played no reserves football. So he's had, what, 
19, 20, 21. So he's had three full seasons. Yeah. And I and just, he had a bit out with a yeah. foot or whatever it was, but yeah. He should be in the midfield. He should be in the midfield. I mean, they they should be phasing Boke out. He should be, he should be Robbie Gray, Connor Rosie. And Butters, for all his quality, and he is quality, he just can't see. I mean, he just seems to have. Oh, I think um, to an extent they might be suffering a little bit from what we suffered with a couple of years ago where they've got the core group that are that are immovable and they're playing the rest of them around the fringes. Um, uh, Connor Rosie seems to be on a similar trajectory to Chad Wingard with that club, in my opinion. Loads of potential and, and flashes of brilliance, but not a lot of consistent output. Um and you've got to start wondering about the uh, development of a few players um, and you've got to wonder whether Ken's message after 10 or so seasons is just uh, not resonating anymore. Well, that, that might be the case, but I just feel like there was this whole big you know, thing about their 2018 draft and I just think none of the three players have really stepped up to anchor the side you know, in terms of where they need to be. But mm. Butters is probably um, the one that I that I would say has done the best out of the three. Um, yeah, for sure, no, uh, no, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, you're right that they, they just look a little bit. Um, look, I, I don't think their forward setup is right. Um, I think people underestimate the impact that Charlie Dixon, not in the team, has in terms of just providing a contest, and you know, similar to what we've been talking about with Himmelberg straightening them up giving them an avenue yep. and allowing their their smalls to go to work um, at the foot of the pack. Um, the ball bounced out fairly consistently out of that forward line if they weren't um, taking a grab. So, um, you know, and <clears throat> they didn't look an overly quick team either. And, you know, um, they kept us in it for far too long. And to our credit, we worked and we worked and we worked and it wasn't pretty. Uh, it wasn't champagne football by any stretch, but... Showdowns rarely are. It's usually about work rate, and there were some blokes that really stepped up their work rate, like Himmelberg, um, and that that was the difference in the end, I believe. Well, um, well it was, and it's, inter- it's interesting that the last the last showdown we played, you know, we played a similar, you know, one on one contested mm. hard game, and they, they they just got over us in that game. You remember? Yeah, yeah. and um, um. And so, you know, it was similar, similar again. They just don't like that brand of football. They like to be able to get out into a bit of space. They like their zones. They like their, you know, chip it around. They like the, you know, their yeah. build-up play. Yeah. Um, and when you, when you, you know, you, when you drag it down to a, you know, a one-on-one contest all around the ground, that it just does not suit them at all. No, that's right. So it was a great win. Uh, it gets us uh, our first win of the season, which is excellent. And uh, we move on to Essendon, and we can talk about that in a moment. I Just before we do, though, Pete, I just want to talk about a little bit of news around the traps. And, of course, you would have yep. caught the uh, fantastic preliminary final victory uh, for the girls to get them into another grand final. Yes. Um, but this news that Montana McKinnon is going to miss um, because of a week span for... I don't know whether you've caught it, but they've uh, Adelaide um, contested it, and uh, the original ban was upheld. 
um, the tribunal, and I'll just read off the um, off the site for um, for accuracy. Um, Adelaide pleaded guilty to the rough conduct uh, section of it, but uh, tried to downgrade the impact to low rather than medium. Um, and the basis for that was that um, there was no concussion, the player got up, um, there was no long-lasting effects or anything like that. Um, the AFLW Tribunal have said that... Um, the impact had to be graded as medium given it had risk to cause injury as per the AFL tribunal guidelines, despite Bowers being able to play on. There was force in the contest despite the absence of injury. Upon impact, the player fell to the ground. Laying face down, she was assessed for concussion. However, more significantly, there was a real potential to cause injury. McKinnon ran towards Bowers and chose to bump, and in doing so made high contact with the head. We do not accept the characterisation of low velocity. Any high bump that constitutes rough conduct that has the potential to cause injury will usually be graded at minimum as medium impact, even if the impact may be low. What the fuck? If the impact is low, the impact is low, right? And when did the tribunal decide that the potential to cause injury had any role to play in the outcome of the tribunal decision? When did that become a thing, Peter? I've not, I honestly have not heard that one. Um, I've seen the incident, actually I saw the incident for the first time tonight. I didn't like it, mm. didn't think it was necessary. And I think that, you know, she's made a rod for her back a bit by doing something that was unnecessary. But with all that said... I do not understand that interpretation from the tribunal at all. It doesn't make any sense. First of all, it, it flies no in the face of how the tribunal's um, conducted itself over the last three or four seasons, where it's all about outcomes. And we've seen plenty of contact in AFL men's football that could have been very dangerous and resulted in long-term injury that hasn't, that hasn't result in, resulted in games or, you know, a, a higher rating because of the potential. If anything, it's been the opposite. Um, if something has not resulted in, a, in an injury, it's generally been downgraded. And for... Well, the best example of that is the jumper punch, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, that, and that, that's continually graded as low. But, of course, there's a risk that you could, you know, you could chuck a hairline fracture in a cheekbone. Of course, there's yeah. a risk. yeah. You walk onto a footy field, there's a risk of injury. <laughs> it's the nature of the sport, you know. I do not understand that. So they'd be bitterly disappointed, and I, I must say that I'm. I, when I read that, I thought, and you're right, the contact was unnecessary, 100%, 100%. But goodness me, uh, to uphold that ruling on the basis that they have just makes no sense. And I really feel for Montana, she's going to miss a grand final. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't, even though the Crows have been successful in the women's competition, grand finals are never guaranteed. And the one you miss is the one you never get back. So uh, really, really disappointing yep. for Montana, and I, I feel for her. And um, yep. once again, to me, it just a cynical person would say, let's, uh, let's just diminish the Crows as much as we can for Daisy's grand final appearance. Peter. <laughs> and to have the nice Melbourne double. 
yet. I mean, you know, we're not uh, we're not asking to play it in the MCG, much to the chagrin of every other commentator on the planet. Um, you know, um, so we'll do it in other ways. Poor old Daisy needs her premiership. So anyway, that that really stood out to me. There's not a huge amount of other um, news around. There's a bit of uh, stuff around Cyril Rioli with Hawthorne, but I don't really want to get involved in that at all. Um, you know what? I've just... just I, I... I've completely looked past it. I've just not. I'm not even interested in reading it, to be honest. Yeah, it's an internal matter. And look, the only thing I'll say is what Kenneth said is an old man's um, response to someone wearing ripped jeans. No connotations whatsoever, and I, I, th- I just think it's been it's a it's a storm in a teacup, really. But anyway, never mind. Uh, it wasn't the only incident, so who knows what else goes on behind closed doors and it wouldn't be the first wife of an indigenous player that's caused problems peter in a football club would it <laughs> love it <laughs> we'll stay away from that one <laughs> uh, right away from that one right away from that one all right um now i know that you're involved in uh, the juniors and the sanfl scene anything uh, jump out at you during the weekend mate that you'd like to feed back to us uh well i guess all um all eyes are on Max Michael Annie. Um, that's the one that we're really looking at um, at the moment. Um, so um, Max, of course, is the um, the father son. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of conjecture about whether he was actually going to qualify as a father son, but we now um, we know we now know formally that. Um, that Max is um, is definitely father son eligible. So yeah, the LA Crows, and so that's obviously going to be a very very close um, watch. Um, Max is um, a key defender. He played as a key defender last year. I saw him in a number of games playing um, for Ross Trevor and for Norwood. Of course, being Jim's son, um, yep. and um, he was very very good. He played very very good state football as well. And um, as an under seventeen, and um, he, uh, yeah, he, he's a real talent. He's a real competitor. And um, but I just think that um, he probably sits at around that one ninety, one ninety one at the moment, which has been mm-hmm. fine for for school and junior footy. He just, I think they'll be watching him closely to see whether he has any kind of a growth spurt this year just to get him up to that maybe one ninety four, one ninety five. Take him out of the tweener, um, yeah. But um, I did uh, I did um, hear some um, some talk that 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 may because he'd been doing work down at the Crows in the academy down there, of course, being a father son, and um, I think in preparation for that, there's a bit of work being done with Max to uh, play that more more that third intercept role. Um, so I think that, that it's on the his height's kind of on the radar. That makes sense, yep. and um, they're certainly looking at developing him in other ways, other than just as a pure, you know, dower key key defender, which is yeah. what he's been so far. Yeah, has he got any pace about him, Pete? Uh, he hasn't got a lack of pace, but he's not. I wouldn't have him. He's 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 not your not your sort of pacey rebound halfback if that makes sense. He's not yeah. your elastic band type. Yeah, he's going to be more your intercept marking. Um, 
type sort of third defender, so he's more Doty than Doty than Smith. Yeah, so, right. um, yeah, that's kind and, of where he sits. And he makes so look. I, you know, I don't even know whether we're gonna whether you know when when push comes to shove. You know, do we have a need for him? Um, he's you know still very raw in terms of his draft year. I mean, we're only at sort of round one or round two of the junior. Just cut out there, mate. Oh, Pete's just cut out. Um, I don't know. You might have pulled a plug out, Pete, I think. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I've been watching Pete's comments on uh, Max for a few weeks and um, an interesting prospect. It does shape as being maybe a little bit of a tweener from all reports makes Lockie Gallant looks like a man mountain. You're back with me, Pete? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. You there? Yeah, yeah. You just dropped right out there for a minute. So all I was saying is, I think that you know, all things considered, with the father son issue, that he's the major watch for us today. Uh, this this year. Yeah, makes uh, Lockie look like a, a Missy Universe, doesn't he, Lockie Gallant? Yeah, there's nothing much of Max. <laughs> there was um, never but... much of Jim Michael Any either. He was all elbows and knees. <laughs> Jim Michael Any, bloody good player though. But I was at a I was at a school game last year and um, and um, chatting to some people um, at um, at, a, at a school game and they're very very there's some very very close eyes on Max from over the border. Yeah. Um, so he has attracted some interest even last year. Yeah. Okay. All right. It certainly doesn't seem to have the uh, the depth of talent in this year's pool as last year. My from what I've heard, next year's fairly rich, though, isn't it? The under sixteen. Look, there's a few, there's, I think that there's a few boys certainly to watch. Um, and look, we you know we'll we'll go through them as the as the season goes on. Yeah. But there's clearly some Kobe Kobe Ryan from Westies is a is a really big one to watch. He he projects as definitely a top twenty. Um, he's an outstanding uh, young midfielder. Um, so he he'll be um, around about the mark. Isaac Keeler, of course, the tall um, key forward from North Adelaide. Yeah. Um, so he's in our NGA, but whether he he lasts that long, yeah. Um, he'll have to last to pick forty now, Fiend. So yeah, I'm not I know. quite sure how yeah how that will go, but he's worth keeping an eye on well as well because he is in our NGA. Um. Uh, now there's a couple of boys. From the Eagles, Adam Diolia, Diolia, I think that's yeah. how I pronounce it. Yeah, um, he's a one eighty four, very very strong inside midfielder. He's he's one to watch. Um, as is Matthias Philippou. Um, that Peter down Philippou there at the Eagles. It, yes, it is. Is there any? How many games did Peter Philippou played? About five hundred and fifty, didn't he? Oh, not what? Peter Philippou. Uh, Philippou, who was the big the big ruckman down there for? Oh but God! Worst times, Sam Filippo. Sam, yeah, he wouldn't have played as much. I think that's. I think it's Sam's son. Yeah, right. Um, so they're definitely um, they're ones to watch. Um, and um, just trying to think, who else was uh, was on my on my list? But I'll do a little bit more work. But there's a few of those boys around that will be sort of around about the pointy end of the draft. And we'll have a close look at them, and I'll get around to some games, particularly when the school season starts. That's fine. Yeah, and we'll get a look at some of these lads, and we'll yeah. do what we did last year and have our own little road to the draft. 
Yeah, fantastic. Good on you, Peter. Excellent. All right. Don't forget for those in the studio audience, if you do want to have your save, please feel free. There's a fair amount of chat going on. Some people don't like what I said about Indigenous players' wives, Peter, but that's all right. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you do want to, something to say uh, on chat, uh, feel free. Um, and also, of course, uh, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord and also on YouTube. Um, the support this year has been fantastic. Make sure if you are listening or watching on one of those platforms, you hit us with a subscribe and a like or a review. Um, it helps us along. It gets us in front of more people. I'm really hopeful that we can push our um, subscriber numbers on YouTube up to a thousand so that I can get some uh, community stuff going with the people who uh, access us through YouTube. So don't be shy. Share it around with your mates and uh, the more the merrier. Now, Pete, we've got... Um, just finishing off on the women... Uh, do you give uh, us a fair shake against Melbourne? I certainly do. Oh, absolutely. Home, home ground final in Adelaide Oval, no, not, no question at all that we would be, um, um, you know, I'd say 70-30 uh, on that one. Would you put that put it as that high? I think so. I think Melbourne did very well to knock out Brisbane. Um, you know, Brisbane obviously got us at home last year, had a very good side. I don't know whether Melbourne have the depth across the field that we do. We've, a lot of our younger girls have really stepped up this year. I've watched them a few times, and uh, it's no longer the um, Aaron Chelsea show. You know, um, there's lots of younger players uh, now. You know, lifting some of the heavy weight, and and uh, it's very good team effort at the moment. Um, so. You know, I mean, grand finals are always one on the day, I guess, but uh, on form, I think uh, you'd have to have us reasonably firm favourites, I would have thought. And, you know, yeah. Pete, you can't underestimate what an effort that is. Uh, from from the beginnings of the AFL, it feels like Adelaide has, been, has approached it as seriously as anybody, have an excellent program um, and have drafted and recruited really well um, I think we were fortunate to get a couple of really good foundation players like Aaron and Chelsea and um, Ebony Marinoff and, and uh, those players, Sarah Allen um, and Hatchard of course before she went so I think we were lucky to get a, or by good luck or good planning have a good core um, but they've developed these young kids really well and, and uh, it it almost feels like they're ticking over into the next generation and still being able to maintain themselves at that high level is, is a credit to everyone involved in that program, in my belief. Yeah, yeah no question at all. And, um, um, look, women's footy generally is just, um, it's going, for me, it's going from strength to strength. I've got a family friend of mine that made her um, SNFL debut a couple of weeks ago and I went out and had a look and yeah, I was really surprised and you know it's um the level of um depth um and, and talent and it's great to see what it is Fane is it's a lot of really really you know it's it's a very very young league and so you know because you know these pathways have been put in place now following on from the original AFLW years a lot of the young girls are being fast tracked um, yeah. because they have come through development programs now. Yeah. 
and the talent's there for all to see and, and Adelaide are, you know, are right on top of that. Yeah. I just want to put something to bed on the chat here because everyone's kicking off because I said something. <laughs> and everyone thinks that I was well, referring one, well, one to... Person yeah, well, one person's couple. kicking off. Well, let me just clarify something. I was actually referring to Rachel McLeod, not Eddie Betts' wife. <laughs> and it's well known that Rachel McLeod and Tyson Edwards' uh, wife, Amanda, who I actually know, um, had a fair crack at each other over the journey. <laughs> so that was yeah, a reference. I knew exactly who you were referring to. That was a reference. Just relax, people. Relax, okay? It would not having a crack at oh god you can't even make a throwaway line these days peter um but that's which is why when you mentioned the jeff count thing fine i just said i didn't even look at it (laughs) i actually heard you take a breath and step back from the microphone (laughs) (laughs) anyway let's move on we've got the bombers this weekend mate and uh despite the good win against port um i think there might be some room for a couple of changes um the blokes that concern me, I guess, are Fogarty, Jones, McHenry. Um, what are your thoughts on Darcy? I, I watched Darcy closely on the weekend. I thought he was lazy as shit. Oh, it's really, really hard to make a case for his inclusion this week uh, when you've got Tex coming back in and you've got Phil Thorpe has kicked goals in the, in the two, so you've got, you know... Two guys lining up for that spot. You've got you, you, you couldn't possibly touch Himmelberg or Gallant. Um, you know, maybe. So so Cook is well. Your Cook is possibly in the firing line, but in terms of that key forward position for you know, who's, mm. who's going out if Tex comes in, yeah. And if you they can't. decide that they want to give, it, if they want to give Tex a run in the twos, then surely that, that pushes Thilthop kick three. Surely that pushes him back up. Either way, Darcy's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't see it turning any other way. And I'm really fearful now for Darcy's career, Peter. I feel like he had a clear run. We've, we've been asking for a clear run for Darcy. Well, he had a clear run um, to operate without text. And... I just, uh, he wasn't dynamic. He doesn't try to, to I don't, like, as I said, I watched him reasonably close, as much as you could watch him on, on the TV because you don't get a lot of views. But I, I saw him do the old under-14s, under you know, stand stationary and stick the hand up in the air quite often. Um, I didn't see him trying to work his player around to get some separation. I didn't see him do multiple leads. I just didn't see him. I, I I just get the impression that Darcy's gone through his juniors as a as a man child, as a few people said on the weekend on the chat, and I probably hasn't had to work for a lot of his disposals at junior level, and I just don't know whether he's got it in him now to actually step up a notch and put in the work on game day required to actually be a successful forward. Yeah, look, there's two ways he can get his possessions, and he, you know, he doesn't, or three ways. He doesn't really look to have the agility, and we don't ever see much in the way of broken play from. Mm. So you've then got to say, well, you know, 
what, what's his body work like and what's his leading like. Yeah. And he just doesn't seem to be on top of either of those two avenues to possession. And if, you know, if we looked at Elliot on the weekend, I mean, I know that he's had a little bit of a tough start, but some of his body work was first class and his leading was very, very good as well. Mm. Um, and then, and, you know, and, and also he snaps one. So I just, um, I'm just wondering in terms of his arsenal, I'm just wondering where his possessions are coming from. Yeah. And, 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 and the reality is that they don't. And the problem is, Fien, is that, you know, he's survived on the fact that, you know, if you get six possessions, three of those are usually goals. And that's actually a lot of pressure for, you know, on his shoulders to continue when he gets so few possessions to convert all the time. Yeah, and it's starting to tell because his kicking has been off the last few weeks. Right, he, he shanked so that, on the weekend from a set of... If he's six positions, don't include three goals, yeah. then he's in trouble. Yeah. And look, to be honest, he's been working under his clone for now, what, six seasons? I mean, if any, if ever there was a, a bloke standing right there that you would model your game on and who you would watch intently, it's Tex Walker if you're Darcy Fogarty because they're the same player. And Tex isn't an yeah. agile player, particularly after his knee. Um, and yet when Tex is on song, he can get that separation, he can work a block, he can work his play around and he can get separation and, and come up for the lead. And we don't see that enough from Darcy. It doesn't, whether he hasn't got the footy IQ or the smarts or whatever, I don't know. And I hate to, like, there's so much potential you would think with Darcy. And then you think, well, have we just been a bit blindsided by the fact that he's got such a beautiful kick um, and he looks an impressive player? You know, is that just papered over some of the other issues that that we're uncovering well it probably has yeah it it probably has and this is this is my point that the fact that Mm. you know if he comes away with 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 these three goals then you you know you do forgive the fact that he hasn't really had much of the ball but as soon as he as soon as that stops then what else is he contributing yeah and and it's not much unfortunately anyway uh we won't i think chase i think chase for me chase is the worry out of all of them. <laughs> well, he's been quite, it's been a quiet start for Jones. Um, I, I thought he tried to get involved in the last quarter. Uh, I think I think the intent is there. But again, another one where I don't know whether there's much IQ, Pete. Um, and there's not a lot, of, it's not effective. You know, if you if you compare him to say Luke Brown, um, and you want him to project to a Luke Brown in terms of a a small defender, um, Luke Brown will stop a player, and he'll also be integral in our movement out of defence. I don't see that. I mean, I guess we saw it in flashes um, last season, and it gave us a bit of hope. Um, but he hasn't started the season well this year, I don't think. No, he hasn't, and I think that I honestly, it's difficult because you know um, he's yo-yoed a bit, and he just seemed like he was on his last year. It just seemed like he was on his way, but gee, I don't know how he holds his spot after Friday night. But yeah. mm. well, Benny Davis has been doing all right in the twos, 
Um, you would think that would be the natural replacement, although Benny wouldn't, you wouldn't say that Benny's a lockdown defender by any stretch, but he certainly assists with ball movement with his foot skills. Can't well, think I think of too Will many Hamill was... Will Hamill, yeah, Hamill. yeah Will Hamill. Yeah. He, was, he had a very good game on the weekend, Will Hamill. So he's one that I think would definitely be pushing. Yeah. Look, um, I, I think what it proves, and, and this gets back to the Lockie Murphy point that we were talking about at the beginning, I think it proves that we have to stop trying to put square pegs into round holes. Um, you know, Ned McHenry, Chase Jones, these blokes, they were drafted as midfielders, Pete. And Chase Jones is a failed midfielder at AFL level, and look, we can't sugarcoat that. Uh, he's a failed... And I don't know whether you... Perse- if we're not prepared to persevere with blokes like um, uh, Colucci... Uh, then I don't know why we persevere with a bloke like Chase Jones. Um, yep. Because I saw more in Gallucci uh, from very, very limited um, opportunities than I have from Chase. And, you know, Chase might forge a career at a club somewhere. Um, Ned similarly might, uh, you know, for all Ned's intensity, I'm sure he'll be valuable for a club. But I, I just think we have to look at our list a little bit better than that. We've got 93 halfback flankers, so much so that we try to turn John Hinge, uh, Mitch Hinge into a wingman, and he's just not a wingman. We don't get value from Mitch as a wingman. Um, we have to start drafting kids. And, and this is the problem I guess I've got with Luke Peddler, the way that they're using Peddler at the moment. Because not only are they playing him up forward when he gets a little sniff in the in the ones, but they're also playing him up forward in the twos. And I just don't understand why they're not giving him good minutes in the position that he's actually been drafted. Manny Nix has told him, you know, you've got to work on your forward craft. No, he doesn't. He needs to work mm. on his midfield craft, doesn't he? Well, Nix, he was also saying that it's just a too hard a midfield to crack into. Yeah, I know. We're stacked. We're stacked. We're stacked. That, that was a gobsmacking comment, I've got to say. Because we're talking about a midfield that has been shellacked for, what, five years now? Yeah. The combination of Crouch, Laird, Sloan has been pantsed continually for that period of time. How could you possibly say that we've got a stacked midfield? It's our Achilles heel. Mm. And that so worries was me. Who's another one? A bigger pardon, sorry? Sam Berry was, another, was terrific oh. on the weekend as well, and he's another one in the same boat. Just 100%, Peter. 100%. And I don't understand why you don't use the opportunity to put these blokes on the bench and rotate... More players through. We only had like we basically had four main players rotating through the midfield: Harry Schoenberg, Rory Laird, Matty Crouch, and um, Benny Keys. Benny Keys. So four players. If you have a look at some of the other statistics from other games, like Hawthorne, for example, who don't mind trusting their youngsters to have a run, they had like seven or eight players with meaningful minutes in the midfield, not just a, a cameo. Meaningful minutes. And I just, I, it worries me that the club, when they look at the list sometimes, they're too insular and they don't actually benchmark against the competition. That's what worries yep. me. 
So, you know, uh, I mean, Sloan will come back in. Who comes out for Sloan? Well, it'll have to be either Cook, probably, or I guess potentially Jones, one of those two. I would say it'd be Cook. Um, I'd be surprised if Jones comes out, to be honest with you. Um, but if if Jones does come out, I think they'll probably go for Hamill slash Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and meanwhile, we've got Sam Berry, who was trusted for 20 games last season, playing out of position. 20 games, and now he's burning in the midfield in the twos, can't get a look in. And the reason? Matt Crouch. Yeah, and you know that if he gets a game, he'll be, he'll be up into that half-forward role. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, he'll be lucky to see midfield time. And this is the problem that I've got. We are rebuilding, uh, Pete, and we're playing... Um, I, I don't mind having a backbone of senior players, and I, I have no problem with Matt Crouch being inside at the moment. He's playing well enough, um, and he's playing in a role that, that suits him and suits us. But I... I I don't. I don't see any. It's, I don't understand our development pathway for our junior mids. Uh, Harry basically knocked the door down, but they basically thrown him in there and said, "Yeah, go for your life." And you know, thankfully, he's got enough class and ability to be able to work through a couple of tough weeks. And I felt his second half showed a little bit more of the, the Harry of old. But I just don't understand the development pathway for our midfielders, Peter. We we spend good picks on Pedler. Well, you mentioned Hawthorne. You mentioned Hawthorne. Now, last week against Port Adelaide, big game, Adelaide Oval, Mm. Josh Ward was in his second game Mm -hmm. of AFL football. He's 18 years old. He had 16 CBAs, Mm -hmm. 16, 20 possessions and a goal. Yeah, and I think about five clearances, didn't he? Remember, yeah, five yeah, yeah, and and there was another young lad too that was only half a dozen games in or very early in his career that also um, attended. I, I think from memory they had about seven players, maybe maybe even more, but seven players I reckon that had meaningful CBAs, not one or two, but you know at least half a dozen or more. Yep. Um So and that's the difference. And Hawthorne will get value out of that. And it's not as if they're yeah. dropping Warple and those blokes to give them a run. They're still playing those those good players, but they're finding ways to rotate. And that's what I have a problem with at the moment. We, we play a, a Berry at half forward, which is fine if you rotate him through for half a dozen CBAs, but you don't. They just stick him in bloody forward pocket and say, work on your forward craft. Come on. You're going to waste sorry, time. Some people there are just saying I'm whispering. Sorry, if, if everyone thinks I'm whispering, sorry if I'm coming through as a bit of a whisperer. I didn't realise. Yeah, I keep I keep bumping up your your volume, but I don't have much room left. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, don't forget last week, Donkey, like, you know, was yelling from the backyard. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, a good showdown win can always paper over some holes, and I think we've still got some issues. Um you know, uh, the Berg stays in now. Um, if Tex comes in for Fogarty, uh, it means Riley stays down for another week or two. Um, yep. And you start to wonder, all right, what's the makeup of our forward line? What are, what's our first choice forward line? Where does Lockie Gallant fit into that? 
Lucky Gallant hasn't even signed beyond this year. Could we have another Jack Gunson on our hands with oh, Lucky um, Peter? Well, he was heard on radio, I think it was today or yesterday, saying that he's very, very happy and very settled in Adelaide. So uh-huh. fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, I, some bloke from Mods Creek said that too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, uh, Lucky Gallant's signature is the one I want to hear about in the next couple of weeks. If they don't lock him up soon, uh, there's going to be teams hunting him down with big fat checks in my opinion um but yeah i think i think we've got to nail down what our forward what our preferred forward line looks like and i think the burgers probably thrown a bit of a spanner in the works and it will be very interesting and i don't want to downplay himmelberg's game but the opposition wasn't great um port left uh, to their Detriment, I think Port left Jonas on Fogarty pretty much all game. Um, and um, the Berg had an undersized player on him most of the time, either McKenzie or the other bloke, I can't remember, Stringer or whatever his name is. So they weren't, you know, high-class um, defenders, but he's not going to have it that easy. <clears throat> when I say easy, he's not going to have that as relatively easy every week. And his challenge is going to be to be able to perform at that level under good opposition, Peter. Oh, no doubt. No doubt at all. Um, and I think, you know, everyone, sorry, it, all of our forward line, you know, benefited from Noah Lear on Friday night. 100%. Um, I just can't see eight goals between those two if he plays. But anyway, so, yeah, that, that'll be the challenge. And, look, you know, um, Traditionally, the fixture this week, Essendon at Marvel, is a really, really bad one for us. Mm. You know, we just, it's just one of those really, really ugly fixtures. It's like Geelong at Kidinia Park. We just, just seem to have a really, really poor record. Yep. And so, um, it's going to be a real challenge this weekend to make this a competitive game. Well, we haven't beaten Essendon for a while. Um, and last season they passed us by 63 points. Pardon me. Yep. Um, we keep, Two goals, nine. <laughs> and, you know, Essendon aren't rated as a defensive team, Peter. <laughs> They're a run-and-gun type. We kicked two goals, nine against them. And from memory, we could hardly work our way into the forward line from memory uh, last year. So um, it was just terrible. Yeah, and look, rebuilding, take the wins when they come, it's great. But it's now Tuesday. We've had our match review and we've gone and watched the tapes and uh, we're thinking about next week. And I actually wouldn't pick... Uh, despite the fact that Essendon is zip three as well and below Port, I think Essendon have actually played some good teams. And like you said, on that fast track over there... Um, I don't think we'll get within five goals. No, that's um, that's probably a fair call, I think. Actually, can I just quickly clarify something? I've just made a really bad typographical error to Tendi, <laughs> who was asking me about um, Lukosius, and I was just about to say, I think he, I think Luko's just developing fine. He's okay. So I, I'd give him another, you know, half a season to a season playing up forward as he is at the moment. He's just moving to the forward line. So, sorry, that was a question that was just asked of me, That's and right. I had a real bad typo. Um, he'll be right for Port uh, next year. <clears throat> oh, he'll stay up there, I reckon. One of the two. We won't see him. 
we, we won't see. Um, so no, I don't think we'll get close to Essendon. I think I think it'll, it'll be a good you know four or five goals to Essendon. I think so. Um, I don't think they're playing particularly. Well, they had one bad game, but I don't think they're playing any any better or worse than what we are. And I think the track suits them, um, and will be slower for having Sloan back in the team, which won't help. I don't think. Uh, so that's where I sit on it too, Peter. Uh, now, no one's uh, all offering those ugly fixtures. Uh, yeah, I remember the first time I went and saw the Crows ever, um, and it was at the G against Essendon, and we got beaten, I think, by about 108 points. And I think I've just got Pete. I, I remember having to go. We we went over there on the bus. We came back on the bus, and it was just the dirtiest weekend. Um, and I think I've got PTSD from it. Whenever we play Essendon in Melbourne, it's like oh, I don't even want to watch. <laughs> I reckon the only the only time I can remember us doing Essendon <clears throat> at that stadium was when Nick Gill had a big game oh, yeah. and kicked a few freaky goals, and Chris Knights kicked a couple of seventy meter bombs. That's right. And, yeah, that's right. And we, and we had a win there. That's the only time I can remember beating him there. Yeah, and Nick Nick Gill, I don't think he kicked one flush. <laughs> they were all Jordy Dawson, Benny Keys kicks, or Jordy Dawson's ankle ankle kick. Through the middle, but uh, they're all Benny Key's pancakes, Nicky Gill. They're either pancakes or they were Chris Knight's 70 metre bombs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I uh, I think we're cool. And, and then, of course, you've got the 93 prelim, which will never live down. Um, but anyway, so just before we wrap up, Pete, um, obviously we give the opportunity to the listeners to give us their 54321. On the weekend, and uh, Maka, Nikki, and myself also um, do our five, four, three, two, one. So, after tallying up the listeners' runnings uh, for this week, uh, the listeners' votes for this week, I can report that Josh Rochelle and uh, Geordie Dawson are on top of the listeners' MVP at thirty-two votes. Benny Keys at twenty-seven. Um, Jimmy Rowe on the back of his first round on 18, Himmelberg on the back of last week on 18, and then uh, Scholl on 17, Gallant on 16. There was a lot of support for Lockie Gallant after the weekend with his with his uh, bag of goals, and then it tails off after that. So, uh, And it differs quite substantially, Peter, to what Mac and Nicky and myself have. We've got Keys on 21, Rochelle on 19, Smith on 13. Smith doesn't figure in listeners' standings. Rowe 12... Shoal ten and Dawson only nine. Well, can't be right. No, that's not even right. Don't even listen to me about that one because I obviously haven't in the, haven't added in the third round. Let me just add in the third round. Oh, no, uh, Dawson's. Oh, anyway, uh, disregard that one. But the listeners' uh, one is right. So uh, Rochelle and Dawson after three rounds, even on 32 with Benny Keys, the current gold jacket holder, um, next up on 27. So there we go. Um, Rochelle, too quiet to pick up a rising star. I think, who, who got that this week? Nikki Dacos? Yep. Um, but you'd think that... Body of work. 
body of work and uh, you'd think with a couple of good games. You never know, Marvel might see Josh Rochelle. We might see a bit of freak show uh, out of Josh Rochelle this week on the dry deck. If we can get the ball in there often enough. Yeah, did you like the way that he was hanging on to the footy for that kick? Yeah, I loved it. You, you know what it was? You know, Pete, he was absolutely devastated when he gave away that non-50 to Travis Boak. And yeah, he was. then he was a bee's whisker away from taking that mark to redeem himself, and he went 100% at that and was just unlucky that Trent McKenzie uh, showed a fair bit of courage to come back and take that mark. And I think he was just hell-bent on destiny and being able to take that kick at the end and seal it after giving away the 50, uh, which wasn't Surf Oz. You're absolutely right. I didn't think it was either. Um and I, you know what? If he had the ball in his hand, I would have backed him in. I would have yeah, backed him in. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have bet against him. That's for sure. No. And <laughs> Geordie Dawson certainly kept it, kept us on our edge of our seats until the last bloody five meters of that kick as well, kicking it off his left ankle. That was a cracker. Anyway, look, I reckon that's about it for us. It's been excellent once again. Peter, nice to have you back. Uh, Fantastic chat as well. Uh, Thanks for everyone for contributing on chat, both in Discord and on YouTube. Thanks for uh, listening. Um, Fantastic numbers, as I mentioned. If you want to support us, uh, hook into patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like and subscribe uh, um, buttons. It really helps us out. Um, in terms of moving those numbers up. And uh, if you're listening on demand, particularly in iTunes, and you like what you hear, don't be shy. Give us a review. Uh, that always comes in handy as well. Peter, I'll bid you... Sorry about well. the whispering, everybody. Sorry about the whispering. That, that's all right. <laughs> Mate, uh, good to have you back. Uh, thanks very much for Thank coming on again, and we will see you next week. Good night. Cheers, everybody. mate. Bye now.